And so if you're new here tonight, number one, my name is Jeremy Lucarelli. If you don't know what we're talking about as far as Acts goes, we're doing this thing called the Acts Challenge. And simply put, the Acts Challenge um, is us as a faith family studying the Word of God together. And what we're going to do is over the next 12 weeks, actually a little bit longer than that, we are going to daily commit to study the Word of God for 15 to 20 minutes a day. And um, about 33 people within our community here um, that's here on Sunday. Some people are not able to be here on Wednesday. Some people aren't able to be here on Sunday. Whatever. All those people, uh, 33 of you have said this week, yes, I want to do that. Um, and it's really weird because as I've looked at the analytics of the site that we're using, we have people from New Zealand doing this with us. We have people from Indiana doing this with us. We have a whole church from Illinois doing this with us. So it's kind of cool. Um, hopefully more of you will catch the flavor of what we're doing and what we desire to do. What is that going to look like in here on Wednesday night? On Wednesday night, some of you are going to come and you're going to be like, I didn't do that this week. Am I going to be out? No. You're going to see the benefit of studying the Word of God for yourself because these people that are around us are going to be having this conversation with us and they're going to share some of the things that they've learned and you're going to be like, wow, it's not just this guy up here standing in the front that's saying this stuff. It's you know people dispersed in the room that are sharing what God has taught them throughout the week. Uh, that's a pretty cool thing. That's a really encouraging thing. Um, so it doesn't mean that you need to tap out for the next 12 weeks if you're not going to study the Bible. It might mean that you need to man up, so to speak, and open your Bible for yourself throughout the week instead of just on Sunday mornings if you maybe bring it on Sunday mornings. Ouch, that was hateful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who is sovereign, that you are in control. Father, we thank you that we have nothing good to bring. We have absolutely nothing. That our worth, that our significance, that our ambitions, that our affections, everything that makes up who we are is to be found in Jesus Christ alone. Father, we thank you for our new identity in Jesus Christ. We thank you that we do not have to worry because we are in Jesus Christ. We thank you that no matter what comes at us, we have the anchor of Jesus Christ. Lord, tonight as we unpack your word, as we learn from each other, we ask that the spirit of God would reign in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, that the resident teacher that lives inside of the believers that are in this room. And Lord, you and I both know that not everyone who is in this room is a believer. The resident teacher that lives inside of us will teach us, will train us, will equip us, will challenge us, will convict us. Father, that you would do that to us tonight in this room is an amazing thing. Father, we lift high the word of God because we know that in it we learn about you, we see who you are, that it's not just a rule book for life or the road map of life, but Father, it is supreme. It is sufficient to bring about salvation it is sufficient to bring about awe, respect, and fear of who you are. 
And so, Lord, we ask tonight, wherever these people are, Lord, that you would bump us to the next level, that you would transform us by the renewing of our mind, that you would equip us, Father, that we would be diligent to be workmen and workwomen that need not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Father, help us to be that. Help us to build the wall that has been so broken down, the wall of truth. Help us to build the wall up with one hand and to defend, defend it on the other hand. And Lord, I just ask that you would do an amazing thing tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, at the end of tonight, we'll get to um, who wins the little... Uh, I signed up, I want the little giveaway, and then on Sunday, we're going to string you on for a little bit longer so that you actually come on Sunday. We're going to um, give it away to you on Sunday. So, pretty cool. What book are we in? Acts. What chapter are we in? Acts chapter 1. What a glorious place to start. Uh, before we did this series on the book of Acts, where were we? What, did we, what were we studying? The What? The gospel, right? Somebody help me out. What is the gospel? The power of God is salvation, Romans 1, 16 and 17. It is the good news. In order to be good news, there was some bad news, right? It's the good news. What else? Jesus died for our sins. And he was buried, and he rose. All, both of those things, buried and then rose, have huge implications for our lives, right? And that's it. Like, we, we get to go to heaven, and hallelujah. Hallelujah, as someone I heard said recently. Yes or no? Is that what life is about? We get to go to heaven. Someone said yes, some people said no. Help me out. Catherine, I like to pick on people I know. Don't introduce yourself to me tonight if you don't want me to call on you. Catherine, what, what's the problem with, I just, I'm going to heaven, that's it? Okay. Break that down into translatable pieces for the folks in New Zealand that are going to listen to this. You need to get in the Word. You need to be holy, is what you said first. You need to be sanctified. And you need to be making disciples. And the only way to make disciples is to be a disciple. So you have to be a disciple of Jesus in order to make disciples. And that's what this whole deal is about. That's what he's called you to do. That's why when you became a believer, you didn't just drop over dead and go to heaven. Right? Nice scripture. He's got good works for us to do that he's planned in advance before the foundation of the world for us to do. Crazy. Cool. What else? Why is it a problem just say, yeah, heaven, the gospel, heaven, awesome. Or, in other words, uh, what a lot of friends of ours or a lot of people that are our age that are meeting in churches all throughout the world or the United States tonight Church is, or the gospel is, about me coming to church and hearing a sermon, not too long, not too short, because that would be weird and not worth the gas money, but about a 30, 20 to 30 minute, because that's our attention span, message, and that's what the gospel is about. Yay or nay? 
Nay, you can tell by the inflection in my voice, but why? Why is that a nay? Should be every day. He commands us to be more like him. Anybody know that first John reference? First John two, is it six? If we know him, we will be like him or we will walk like him. We will walk in his steps. Yeah, that's that's a higher call than yay, I get to go to heaven. And there's this haunting thing, uh, haunting passage um, that I, I think we need to come back to over and over again in our Christian walk. And there's this division between um, these two gates, uh, these two trees, these two people. One builds his house on the rock, one builds his house on the sand. Two things, two gates. One gate, it's really wide. And how many people are on it? A lot of people are on it. And where does that wide gate lead to? Destruction. Now, for some reason, we, get, we, we, don't get, we don't clue in that many people are on that gate. Many people on that road is another way of saying it. They are going there. They think that they're walking in truth. They think they're walking the way they should go. And ultimately, where does it lead? Hell. Hell. Destruction, damnation, eternally. Okay, one, that, that's one gate. Then the other gate, it's not wide, it's narrow. It is a narrow stretch of road. There's not many people, there are few who find it, and it leads to life. And Jesus says that eternal life isn't just heaven, it's that you may know Jesus and God who sent Jesus. So let's lay that all out on the table, put all those cards out on the table and say, tonight is not about just heaven when we're talking about the gospel. The gospel is, is that Jesus has taken my place, taken my sin upon him on the cross, and that's a crazy thing because he was perfect, I'm not. He took my place in order to pay my debt, not just my debt, but the sins of the whole world were upon him for all time, were upon him. Before Jesus, they were all on him. After Jesus, they were all on him. He carried those in his body, died. Before he died, he lived the perfect sinless life. He was buried. He rose again and now reigns in power. Now is victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Amazing. But that thing that happened 2,000 years ago has huge implications for you and I today. It's not something I just believe that. It is now I believe that and I am a carrier of that. Where the gospel or where sin infected me, infected my thinking, infected my words, infected what I did at rest. I was a child of wrath even at rest. All of those things, it infected all of me. When Jesus, when the gospel infects me, it too infects all of me. It infects my thoughts. It infects my speech. It infects my actions. It infects my attitudes. It infects my submission to authority. All of those things is gospel living. And so tonight, again, all that's out on the table. We're still talking about the gospel as we move forward. What we are doing now is we're turning the chapter and we're seeing what happens when the gospel is unleashed in the world. 
and we are going to sit and revel in that, and then we're going to say, wait a second. If it's been unleashed in the world, then where, where am I in that? What, what's going on with me? Okay? So, let's get right to it. Acts chapter 1. Tonight, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. And so, what I want to do is I want to read those together, and then we're going to unpack them. Those of you that have been doing the Acts challenge, I didn't mention this, but in the future, it'd be great if you brought your stuff with you, because we're going to walk through some of it, we're going to talk through some of it, okay? If you didn't do it tonight, it's not a big deal, okay? Look at verse number one. Verse one, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the, what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? My phone's in my pocket. Sorry, Kevin. Be done. Okay. Um, into verse 6, verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs, epochs, whatever, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Parentheses, uh, because a guy just floated up there and was going up there. That's why we're looking. That's my translation. Probably shouldn't add that. This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus told them not to leave. From the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and I'm reading a lot further than I meant to. Sorry. Okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. What's taking place? What's going on? Jesus, boom, beam me up, is in the sky. Okay? Tell me about it. Promised gift. Did he just promise the gift? He sent it as well. Somebody was saying something else. The Father had promised that. Beth, where is that? Verse 4. Or 5. Verse 4. Wait here. Where's here? Jerusalem. Wait here for what the Father has promised. Kevin, go ahead and go to the next one for me, please. Wait for what the Father had promised. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Holy Spirit. Those of you who uh, are doing the Acts Challenge with us, let's look at some of the things that you learned about 
the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 1, the whole chapter, okay? Let's use this as a jumping off point. What did you learn about the Holy Spirit? Shout it out loud. Okay, he gives instructions. Where are we at? Verse 2, let me read it. Until the day when he, Jesus, was taken up to heaven, after he, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, had given orders. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave orders to whom? The apostles. The entire book of Acts is Jesus speaking through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. Go here, go here. Nope, can't go here, go here. Don't do this, just pray about it. Yeah, I know you're in jail, pray with your friend and I'm going to do some crazy things. Pretty cool. What else do you see about the Holy Spirit in chapter 1? He'll give you power. We already hit verse 4 that God the Father had promised the Holy Spirit. This was not some new thing. It was not some like, and now God, the third person, is going to show up on the scene. A lot of people think that. A lot of people put that into their theology. Nope, go all the way back to Genesis 1, and the Holy Spirit is in Genesis 1. He's God. Okay, pretty cool. God had promised. What else did you see? Okay, verse 5. Now there's a contrast given there. What's the contrast in verse 5? Water and spirit. Who's, who's the person that baptized with water? John. He, kerplunk, baptized with water, even baptized Jesus with water. But you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to get into what that means, baptized, what that word means in a second, because that's a confusing one. And then um, Amanda was saying, verse 8, that the Holy Spirit, they are to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to do what? What? The Holy Spirit will come... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall what? You shall be my witnesses. Okay, so there is a direct relationship here, get it, that the purpose of the Father sending the Holy Spirit is what? To be a witness. The purpose in Acts chapter 1 for God sending the Holy Spirit. One, to, for Jesus to command through the Holy Spirit. And for them to be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. I got it. They're in Jerusalem. They're from Jerusalem. It's the place they live. It's the place they dwell. It's their culture. It's what they're used to. Right on. Good. I'm good with that. Judea, okay, that's the province, all right, that, that's a little bit more annoying that I've got to go around to the province, not just Dallas-Fort Worth, but Tarrant County, Dallas County, and surrounding areas, similar thing. Samari now you're getting a little crazy, Holy Spirit, Jesus, 
Now you're getting, this is not good. What do we know about Samaria? Bible scholars in the room, give me a brief explanation. They were shunned as outcasts. They worshipped God, but also another God. They go, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to the divided kingdom. The temple's down here. Well, we don't want our people to go down there to worship at that temple, so we're going to set up these altars of Baal here and here so they don't go down there. That's Samaria. Bad news. Idolatry, issues. We don't like them. They're called half-breeds. They're Jew, and they've been sleeping around with all these other people, too, and having kids. I don't know about that. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, or the remotest parts of the earth. That's cool. Uh, Brings to mind our friends in Kenya tonight that are there taking the gospel. They just got there today, and they're sharing the gospel, and already people are coming to know the Lord. Also, our friends that just got back from Tanzania, the boat started in their home, for those of you that were here on Sunday. Um, Thousands of people and the church planted and established in Tanzania. Uttermost parts of the earth. We'll get into that in a little bit. Very cool. What else do you see about the Holy Spirit? Okay, what verse? Give me a verse. Verse 16. What's going on in verse 16? Nope. Not in this chapter. Trying to put... (laughs) Trying to replace Judas. What happened with Judas, for those of us that aren't familiar? He betrayed Jesus with a kiss for some cash. And then after the... After that happened, he hung himself. Who was he, though? One of the twelve. That blows my mind every time I think about it. That Jesus still washed the feet of one who he knew who was going to betray him. But we don't have time to get into that. So verse 16, we learn that about the Holy Spirit that something was foretold. What was foretold by the Holy Spirit through David hundreds upon hundreds of years before what was told? Yeah, Judas is going to betray and you need to choose somebody else. That Jump down to verse 20. For it's written in the book of Psalms, this is David, let this homestead be made desolate and let no one dwell in it. Let another man take his place. So look at what we've seen so far about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has commanded. Jesus is using the Holy Spirit to command. Where's Jesus at this point? Boom, beam me up, Scotty, but who's here? The Holy Spirit to command. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you'll receive power. Power for what? To be a witness where? No, don't just do everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth, everywhere. There you go. You can say everywhere now, okay? Then we jump to verse 16, and what do we see about the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit was intimately involved in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of writing the Scripture. Pretty cool. 
not even writing the scripture, but the things that imagine if you were one of the disciples at this point, Jesus is gone. Hey, what happened? What about that thing with Judas? I mean, how are we going to deal with that? And point blank, it was talked about by David. The Holy Spirit said it before. Remember what the Holy Spirit said. And they're like, oh. And what do they do at the end of the chapter in regards to Judas and his place as one of the apostles? They cast lots and it comes to this guy that starts with an M, right? Anything else about the Holy Spirit here? Cool. No, yes, maybe. Okay, that would be something that I would look up of what, what is this casting of lots thing about? And if you go to the Old Testament, there's multiple of references of man plans his ways, but God is the one who watches over the casting of lots. So, okay, yeah. All right, so we learned those things about the Holy Spirit. Now let's unpack that a little bit. Go to the next one for me, Kevin. What does it mean, though, about baptized? Look at verse 5 again. Don't read all that yet. Look at verse 5 so we get what we're actually trying to explain. You there? Okay. Remember, it's our contrast. You read it to yourself real quick. On one side, we got John, who baptized with water. And then on the other side, we've got Holy Spirit, or Jesus who baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay? So, look at this with me, please. The word baptized in the Greek is baptismo, baptismo, and it means to, it means all of these things. So if you looked in the New Testament, this is what this word would be translated several different times, depending on the context. To dip, um, we won't go into that right now, immerse to submerge for religious purposes, to overwhelm, to saturate, to baptize. In extra-biblical writings during this time, which means not in the Bible, but Greek writings around this time, the word baptize is used a lot. In fact, in one place, in uh, the book of in Josephus, which was a historian during this time, after this time, um, he used the word baptizo, to describe a pickle, a cucumber that is marinated in pickle juice and then takes on the identity of the juice and becomes a pickle. It changes the identity is the point of this word, baptizmo. Okay, so look at the next paragraph. It carries with it the idea of identification, of being united with someone or something, okay? If you look, if you want to do a little cross-reference later on, if you look in Romans 6, this word is awesome in Romans 6. You were identified with Adam, but in Adam all die. That's what Romans 5 says. In Romans 6, how can we who have died, how can we who have been baptized with Christ still live in sin? Awesome. We, are, we have a new identity if the Holy Spirit is in us. Look at verse 5 again. 
John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, immersed, identified with the Holy Spirit. You will take on the characteristics just like a cucumber takes on the juice of the pickle and becomes a pickle. Your identity will be changed when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look at verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them and their identity is changed, what will happen? Boom. They'll be what? They'll have power, supernatural dunamis power. We get our word, it's very similar to dynamite power, transformational power. You will receive that power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Stop here for a second. Some of you, we have asked you to carry, we have asked you to be a carrier of the gospel, to infect our generation with the gospel. Uh, That's a huge goal. Um, Let's say it like this. Can you be a carrier of the gospel without first being infected with the gospel? Explain. The general consensus was no for those that said something. Explain why no. Okay. It's, it's hard not only to tell, and it's hard to convince someone, if I'm talking to you and there's been no transformation of the gospel in my life, you as a person looking at me is going to say, what's the difference? Where's the change? Right? Look at what happens here in Acts chapter 1, though. You'll be baptized. You'll have a new identity. When the Holy Spirit is in you, comes upon you. And then after this new identification, you then will be my witnesses. You can't have, you can't be a witness without the identification. And I would dare say you cannot truly be identified with Christ if the second is not happening. What's the second again? If you're not a witness, right? Because what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 1.8? To be a witness, okay? Go to the next one for me, Kevin. What would the Holy Spirit do when these disciples were baptized? We've said it. I want to reiterate it. We learn by repetition. What's the point of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling these believers? Huh? To go be witness is just a Jerusalem thing? No, just a Jewish cultural custom thing? All the earth. And we're still doing it all through the earth today through the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Go to the next one. All right? What did you learn as you looked at Acts chapter 1 about being a witness? Some of you marked the word witness. It's not in there a whole lot, but let's talk about what you learned. 
okay? Context, we've already seen that this is when the new person is coming about and they're given the qualifications of who they're going to choose. Well, it has to be someone who, according to verse 22, was started with the baptism of John, baptized by water, and then walked all the way through till Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That person, whoever they chose, had to meet those criteria to be with Jesus that whole length of time. And from that we see that the witness of his resurrection, that that's a big deal. In fact, you all then from this point went and looked at 1 Corinthians 15. Turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians 15. Flip it over to the right a little bit. And it just so happens that this chapter is all about the resurrection of Christ. Okay? Look through it. If, if you're new with us, if you haven't been doing this, read verses 1 through 11 real quickly. If you have, refresh yourself. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they'll be baptized, new identity. Power will come with it in order for them to be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of what you're seeing in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. If you had to say, uh, if you had to boil down the gospel to two things, according to 1 Corinthians 15, what would it be? Christ died for our sins. Love it according to the scriptures. I love that. That means everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus doing that. And what else? And he was raised. Okay, so we've got Christ died and the natural implication or natural result of that is he was buried. If Jesus just died for our sins and stayed dead. Woohoo. Right? But he moved from that to being rose or risen. I always get those words wrong. On the third day, again, according to Scripture, and ascended to be with the Father. Okay? So the gospel is that Jesus died for our sin and was raised victorious over those things. Awesome. Very cool. So if you are going to preach the gospel, which that's the point of this, um, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, the spirit of witness, what should you be witnessing? What should you be telling about? Those two things. Okay? Um, in there, he, was, he died, he was buried, um, and then after he rose again, it said something about when he rose again. Did you get that part? He appeared to the twelve and over 500 witnesses in his resurrected state. Pretty cool. Um, when Jesus died on the cross... Graves were opened. The power of the resurrection was so intense that people who had already died rose from the grave. 
grandma and grandpa climbed out of the grave and were walking around Jerusalem because of the power of the resurrection. Pretty cool, yet also a little weird. Very neat that he not only appeared to the 12, we saw in Acts chapter 1, that's the prerequisite for the new apostle. He not only appeared to the 12, he appeared to 500 people. In Acts chapter 1, it's about 120 people. So Jesus, from the time that he rose from the grave, 500, to the time where he goes up to be back in heaven, 120. 500, 120. Hmm. It's Jesus for you. Pretty cool. Awesome. All right? Now, here's some questions in regard to 1 Corinthians 15. How important is sin when discussing the gospel? If this is baptized, enabled through the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, witnesses of what? The gospel. How important is it to get a grip on sin according to 1 Corinthians 15? Why is it essential? We don't know what we're being saved from, and we don't know what we're being saved to. Why would we need a new identity if we're okay the way we are? Uh, You all have probably seen this if you've been around the church for a little bit. If you're new to the church, you may have not have seen this yet. But there is a movement within American Christianity where we do not talk about sin. And we do not talk about hell. Well, if we don't, if we don't talk about, I mean, it's not like those are great things to talk about, but if we don't talk about those things, then what are the, what's the result of not talking about those things? We ignore the reality of what? Of depravity, that's a big, a big word, of not just our sin, but we are 100% at all times sinful. We are sinful by birth, sinful by choice, and sinful by practice. Wow, depravity. Separation from God, enmity, hatred with God. That should make us, like, uncomfortable. Right? Okay, so let's let's assume that there are some believers in the room tonight. Okay? If we have now been given a new identity, we have been baptized to be a witness with power, to be a witness wherever we go, on mission wherever, verse 2 I think it is, wherever Jesus says to go, we go through the Holy Spirit. If that's our reality and there's a world out there that is in sin, what should that do for us as believers? Make us take action, okay? What do you mean, Katie? Go forth. <laughs> That's very King James. Go forth. What do you mean, go forth? Get out, Get out there to be a witness, to do what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. To do what Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, make disciples, be a witness. Here, I'm giving you supernatural power in order to do that. 
goal. So a burden for those people, a thing where we talk about it, if we love it, if we've been transformed by it, if we've witnessed the supernatural power in our own lives, then heck yes, we should be telling other people about it. We should have the boldness, the guts to say, you're in sin. And it's not that I'm better than that because I was in sin. And that was my state. But there is hope through Jesus if you believe, repent, and turn to him and follow him. Okay? Uh, Paul, I love verse 3, by the way, of uh, chapter 15. For I delivered to you, church, as of first importance. I love that. The most important thing for you today is not to find a mate. Is not to get a good job. The most important thing for you is not what's going to happen on Friday night. Or all the other stuff that's going on at work. Climbing the ladder of success. The most important thing for everyone in this room, everyone in this church, everyone in this community, everyone in the world is the gospel. Where you stand with the gospel. Yeah, it's good to meet people's financial needs. Yeah, it's good to meet people's physical needs, give them some food, love on them in the name of Jesus. But the most important thing is the gospel. And if we got that, and if we lived that, and if that messed with us and that burdened us, I think we would be, like you said, I think it would just burden us where we would weep over our nation, where we would weep over our sin, where we would weep over the sin of people that's in this room that we know they are lost, 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 and they know they're lost. It would burden us, the result of sin. Yeah. So not only is what you're saying is not only is there no conversation about sin, but the reality of the consequences of that sin. There are many people in our world today, they even know they're in sin. There are people in this room, they know they're in sin, but they don't give a rip. Which means they don't give a rip about their eternal reality and their eternal destiny, which should just burden us. Which means their eyes are still, they still have scales over their eyes. That could be part of it. And then I think there's a lot of people who don't give a rip, where they are told what sin is. Immorality is sin. They are told that pornography is sin. They are told homosexuality. All of those are sins. And they choose to be venomous against, well, don't, you just don't love homosexuals. You just don't love, you know, me because I've been scarred by pornography. And so they point the finger of blame back to the person that actually is trying to say, no, you are in sin. I was in sin. There's a way out of sin. There are some extreme groups that say, you're in sin and there's no hope. But I, I think some people point out sin. Um, I, I think more so in our culture right now, there is just a animosity towards the gospel more than ever before. And we can go into wh- why and all that stuff um, later. So what I want you to do 
real quickly is I want you to go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are good. Acts 1, 8. Is this a, you can read it, is this a thing that's just for those 12, oops, Judas, 11, roll the dice, add another one, now we're back to 12. Is it just for those 12 apostles? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest part of the earth. Yes or no? Okay, so let's do some logic here. If that's true of believers, and I am professing to be a believer, what should result of that be? Huh? Okay. How, what is the clarifier, the litmus test of whether or not the Holy Spirit is indwelling you as a believer? Fruit, in this context, is it power? Power to be witness. So the litmus test, Acts 1.8, is if I am a believer, then, if-then statement, if I'm a believer, then result, I should be a witness. Get in a group of four. Introduce yourself. Kevin, you can come join the party for a second, then I'll let you go back and be the clicker. Okay? Strategically located throughout the room. Are we ready? When you hear this, Acts 1A, okay, Litmus test, believer, witness. Holy Spirit in you, which is true of all believers, which we'll get into later on when we go through Acts. Um, Holy Spirit in you, you are to be a witness. Talk about, talk about that for a second in your group. Um, where you're at with that, how you're doing with that, uh, what you think about that. Unpack that in your group, okay? Someone be brave in your group to just say, Here's where I'm at with this. Okay, next question for you. What to you is the hardest part about that? Being a witness. What is the most difficult part? Okay, next question. Not everybody has to share. And you've probably already unpacked this maybe a little bit, but do you witness very often? Give a quick yes or no around the circle real quick. Do you witness very often? As in, not my life is a witness. Do you point out, <laughs> point blank say, Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and you are in need of the gospel. You unpack the gospel with someone. Yes or no? Do it all real quick, everybody at once, so we don't hear what everybody says. La, 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 la. Okay, you did it real quick, right? Quick like cat. Huh? Follow-up question to that one, and then we have one more thing and we're finished. 
why or why not? If the answer is yes, then why? If the answer is no, why don't you? All right. Well, here is where we're going to go from here. Look at Acts chapter 1 real quick. I'm back in the back if you can't find me. Look at Acts chapter 1 real quick. And I want you to tell me, those of you that were involved with this this week, I want you to tell me what these people did until the Holy Spirit came upon them. Remember, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, don't leave. What verse are you in, Rob? Verse 14. Everybody read verse 14. They met together. They devoted themselves to prayer. Not just a quick little prayer, but they devoted themselves to prayer. I thought what we would do tonight in a little bit different fashion... um, you know, some people sing songs in order to get you ready to, to hear the word. I think more appropriately, sometimes you need to, to let songs be a response to the word of God. And you need to ask the Lord to seal some of the things that you've seen in the word of God, to contemplate those, to talk to God about those. Um, and so what we're going to do is, for the next few minutes uh, before you leave, and you can do one of these, you leave as you want to, if this weirds you out, you can leave, um, whatever. But what we're going to do is spend the next few minutes just in prayer. We have a lot of things that we need to pray about, and I'll give you a couple, and you can pray about them as the Lord lays them on your heart. Um, it was funny, last night we had a, a meeting for some community group leaders at my house, and uh, we were talking about different types of prayer, and one of them was, do you remember what it was? Korean-style prayer, uh, which is basically prayers that you pray out loud while everybody else is in here. Um, remember Africa? People who went to Africa? What's up, Holly? Do you remember those, those types of prayers that they prayed? Yeah, it might be a little bit awkward, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some music for us. If you're at this place where, well, here's what I want you to pray for. And again, if the Lord lays this on your heart to pray, then pray. If not, just sit there quietly and Pray, pray, okay? Here's the things I want you to pray for. One, that the people that are in this room that are still blinded to the gospel would realize that the burden of their sin, guilt, shame, that God would just mess with them through the Holy Spirit, okay? That's pretty intense prayer, right? Yeah, but only God is going to take scales off of eyes. Only God can change a heart, right? Yes, okay. So then, number two, we are in desperate, 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 desperate need of men to step up and be godly, biblical men. And that I put to you as a matter of prayer. We need men to step up, to know who God says that they are, and to live in that by the power of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God in one hand, Living the gospel, we so need that in our community. The church needs that. We as a faith family need that. Okay? I want you to pray about that. And then number three, um, we have a lot, a lot of stuff going on. We have a lot of need for the Holy Spirit 
to enter into the decisions that need to be made, to give us wisdom, guidance, and to move us with what he wants us to do versus what everybody else wants us to do. I want you to maybe pray about that. Don't choose all three unless you're just like a one-phrase prayer, okay? I'm going to play one song. Some of you need to submit in, in your mind the gospel. Some of you need to think about this thing of witnessing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you're like, okay, I, I need to step up and commit to study the Bible with this group of, of believers. Whatever, okay? So we're going to turn the lights down low. Don't, don't do anything weird like dance around the room or anything. Well, I don't, I'm not into that. But do, if the Lord tells you to get on your knees, get on your knees. If the Lord tells you to go down to our little makeshift altar, go to the altar. If the Lord tells you to grab somebody and say, I need for you to pray with me, get them, have them pray with you. Okay? There's freedom to do what you need to do here tonight. Okay? All right. So I'll start us out in prayer. I'll start playing the music, turn the lights off. We'll be done. And hopefully we'll have some good conversations where we go after this. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord, that you are the shepherd, that you are in control. And Father, we recognize that you are king. Lord, we ask in all these things that we've prayed, Lord, there are people here who this is new to them. They've never had this type of conversation. They've never even looked at your word in this detail. Father, I ask that you would allow them, Lord, in your word, you give grace to the humble and you oppose the proud. So, Father, I ask that if, if the wind has been knocked out of them and they realize their sin through the Holy Spirit, where you're taking scales off of their eyes, Lord, I ask that you would do that for your glory, for your name. Father, if there are those of us who we have not gotten that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be a witness, Lord, I ask that you would allow us to think of the people in our mind right now that you have placed in our path that we need to be the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for sin, that Jesus was buried, that Jesus rose again victorious over sin and death. And we too can be victorious and more than conquerors through Jesus. Father, I ask that you would hear the prayers of your people tonight, that you would continue to move us to be people that are dependent upon God. Lord, you gave the disciples the call to make disciples, and then you enabled them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're in the same boat. You've called us to make disciples, and we ask that we would be more aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing. We would be more dependent upon him, and we would live our lives for the sake of the gospel and not for ourselves. Not to us, O oh Lord, but to your name be glory forever and ever. In the name of our rock, our deliverer, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.